You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Odessa, Texas. You can connect with us online by visiting RedeemerChurchOdessa.org. Good morning. My name is Daniel, and I am in the house community group. Uh, this morning I'll be reading from Romans three twenty-one through 26. You can follow along on the screen behind me. Um, so we'll start in verse 21 of Romans 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Good morning. Glad you guys are here with us today. Uh, my name is Matt, and I get the honor of serving here at Redeemer Odessa. Um, I want to say thank you to Melody for, again, coming out and, and leading us in worship this morning. Uh, thanks to Daniel for reading for us this morning. If you need a Bible, uh, we use the ESV. We have some in the back we can get you. If you just raise your hand, that one is yours to keep. Tanner is back there eagerly waiting to give someone a Bible. Um, if you're following on your phone, we do use the ESV. Um, and also, if you're new here, there are cards under your chair. Uh, if you want to fill that out, we'd love to connect with you guys. Also, if you're not new and you just need some prayer, there's space on that too. Just love to be able to walk with you guys through whatever hard you might be going through. Um, so right now, we are right in the middle of our Advent series. Um, personally, I'm really thankful for this series uh, and this season because as a church, We've gone through some hard stuff this year. <laughs> it had a lot of hard. Uh, we spent several t- months covering some psalms of lament, uh, which was very timely because a lot of us personally were going through issues. And it really helped lead us into what does it mean to lean on to a God who validates our sorrows and our hurts and our cries um, and be able to press into him in the hard. We then covered a series on the book of Ruth. Ruth tells us a story of of God who, in his sovereignty, was weaving this story with all the hurts and with the loss into one of great promise. If you recall, Ruth was during the time of the judges when there was no king in Israel. Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. It was a really, really dark time in Israel's history. But underlying all this tragedy in Ruth, we see the promise of a coming king. The promise of the greatest earthly king in Israel's history, the king that all of the kings would be judged against, David. Yet even in this David, we are seeing this pointing towards an even greater king, one who would be born in the same town as David, one who would come from that same bloodline, one who would rule all creation, and one who before him all nations would bow. The king to come would be our hope, our peace our joy, and in love, he would perfect our faith. These are the themes that we are walking through this season, and as I was working on this sermon for joy, I struggled because Tanner 
has already stepped on my toes a few times. As he was walking us through hope and peace, he was also preaching on joy as well. So I was getting a little agitated because he kept taking like scriptures that I was wanting to use. But then I had this realization that we can't separate these ideas. They're all combined into this one beautiful story of redemption. One can piece these ideas apart as easily as one can separate God's justice and mercy. They feed into each other. They shape each other. They are forever linked in the coming of the Savior to rescue a people that, as we'll see, are in desperate need of saving. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump in. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much that you are here with us this morning. We thank you that we can look with joy to the work that was done and and the coming of your Son again. God, I pray that you would speak through me this morning. I pray that you would bring healing. I pray that you would bring peace and hope. God, I pray that this would just be a season of wonder as we look at the God who stepped out of creation or stepped out of heaven and stepped into his creation to save a people that were in much need of saving, Lord. I pray that you would just be honored here today. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So in order to have truly this idea of joy that is the gift of Christ, we have to have some sort of reference point. So I want to start off by reading this. This is out of Romans. So we read, uh, Daniel read to us starting in verse 21, but we're going to backtrack a little bit. I didn't really want this one to be the main text that was read because it's kind of rough, and it's kind of a rough way to start the morning. But here, it starts in verse 10. It says, As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Bah humbug. Um, That's rough. But it's vital if we're going to see where we're trying to go with this story today. As Tanner told us last week, our sin is not just a mere slip-up. We're not just good at heart with some bad habits, okay? In our condition, we are unacceptable to God. Have you ever thought to yourself, I'm not that bad. I'm a pretty good person. But how many of us have lied? Have, have we cheated? Have we hurt people's feelings? Maybe you're quick to anger. Maybe lust. Any number of things. What about letting the cares of this world control our attitudes? Finding our hope in bank accounts and football teams, that check to come in. Even as I was prepping for this sermon, right? This sermon on joy, I found myself in this weird funk. (laughs) I was letting my hopes and happiness rest upon things which cannot bear that weight. While writing about joy, I found that I myself was looking for it in these wrong places. What we see here as Paul is walking us through this book of Romans is this climactic build regarding our fallen nature. Paul starts off that saying that not only are we rotten to the core, but we don't even understand the depths of our depravity. 
Why don't we understand the depths of our depravity? Because no one is seeking God, who is the foundation for all wisdom. We can't even know how bad we are because we aren't even seeking him in the first place to realize. C.S. Lewis talks about you can't call a line crooked unless you have something straight to compare it to. Surely there has to be someone who is righteous and wise, someone seeking the Lord, right? Nope. None. <laughs> Not one. No one. He, he's really trying to make, some, make us understand this at some point, right? Uh, I know I myself am fairly stubborn, and it takes a lot to get through my thick, thick skull, and I think Paul understands that. Okay, well, maybe you're still not convinced. You're sitting there, you're like, I'm good. Take a look at this sins and action that he calls out. He could list any deplorable acts, right? Remember, think of the time that this was written in. It was written during Roman rule, okay? He could have called out pagan worship, temple prostitutes, things that would make Twitter blush, okay? But William Hendrickson says that Paul goes after the tongue. We could sit back and say, hey, I've never slept with prostitutes. I've never murdered anyone, never sacrificed my child. I don't have this wood carving in my, in my closet that I go and kneel before. I'm good. And then Paul says, man, you can't even control your tongue. Something that low level. And I know you might be thinking, yeah, there are bad people in the world, but not me, not us, right? That's for the leftists. That's for the Democrats, the cowboy fans, okay? The adulterers, the pagans. But look at who, if you back up a step, okay, and look at verse 9 of this little section here, we'll see who he's actually talking to, okay? In verse 9, he says, are we any better? He's not saying, are they any better? Are you any better? Are we? This letter was written, written to the believers in Rome. It was written to the church, to us. He's saying, you and I are in the same boat of the, as the rest of the world. And apart from the work of God, we are utterly hopeless. All right, let's go ahead and end there. Uh, just kidding. Um, we have more to get into, don't worry. R.C. Sproul says that this view of humanity in Romans is on a collision course with our very culture that tells us we are perfect the way we are. And not only are we perfect the way we are, but we should celebrate that brokenness. Culture would tell us that I was just born this way, as if it's an excuse. Live your truth. Live your life. And that's basically just a way of saying, hey, you do what you want to do, and no one has the right to call you out on it, right? Whatever licentiousness you want to get into, whatever revelry you want to get into, that's, that's you. I'm not going to call you out. Yet even with all this cheering on of living your best life in our country and in this culture, alcoholism, drug abuse, domestic abuse, overdoses have been increasing. I think we're on track to have like 100,000 drug overdoses, fatal overdoses in our country alone this year. Living our best life is killing us, and it puts us at odds with the Lord. By our very nature, we are enemies of God, and therefore we are wholly deserving of his wrath and his justice. 
Paul's pulling from these Old Testament Psalms to highlight our fallen state. There is no amount of good deeds that you or I can do to live up to the righteousness demanded upon us by an entirely holy God. Doing good deeds even with the sole purpose of not going to hell and being able to go to heaven, that's still not a righteous position. Sproul says that there has never been a day in our lives where we have truly loved the Lord with our entire heart. We keep trying to keep these laws without the freedom offered by Christ. It's like we're running in this hamster wheel without relief and we die. The result is death. We are in bondage to a system that we could never work our way out of, even if we wanted to. And as I just read earlier, we don't really want to work ourselves out of that position. We don't want to work towards God. It seems like the only choice we have is to live the way we want and end up sick, broken, lonely, separated from the Lord, or strive to be good and still falter and still be separated from the Lord. What a pitiful state that we find ourselves in. The book of Romans is a great encapsulation of the entirety of the Bible. It's like this condensed Cliff's Notes kind of, kind of book. Because Paul starts us off in our lowly state and then brings in this beauty that was done for us. But the good news is not really good unless we have some need for it. And we have to realize that need by the power of the Holy Spirit. Unless I realize the shape I'm in, why would I even care? Then Paul gets into the beauty of that news with an answer to the righteousness demanded by our God. And this is the text that Daniel read to us today. But now. I love, I love that weight of that but now. It's kind of like in Ephesians when we get the but God. We are dead in our trespasses, but God. There's so much weight and power behind that, and I love this. But now. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There's a lot to unpack there, a lot of fancy words. Okay, we're going to hit on some of them. No one is righteous. We all deserve death, but now. It's just brimming with anticipation and excitement and joy because God, or Paul tells us that God has created a way to be deemed righteous without the burden of the law. In fact, the law actually points us to the work of the Lord. That's right, you, me, my kids back there, my neighbor down the street who might be struggling with alcoholism, the lady who finds all her validation in work. We don't have to work under this threat of the curse of them and breaking the law. We don't have to work under this threat of being separated from God for all eternity. 
and we get to be called righteous. How? How is this possible? How can a holy and just God call sinners righteous? And I keep using that term, and I want to make sure like we're all on the same page for a second. So when I say the term righteous, biblically, it refers to one standing in regards to a covenant, a promise, okay? Uh, back in Genesis, way, 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 way back, okay, God makes a promise, a covenant to Abraham, and he tells him, I'll give you land, I'm going to give you descendants. The whole world is going to be blessed by your family. But you have to live blameless before me. You have to live holy lives. So God lived up to his end. He lived up to his end of that deal, but we had significantly failed. But now, God is saying that he would make us right, that he would hold up our end of that bargain as well. He would hold up our end of that covenant, and he would make us right by doing the work for us that we could not do. He would be both just and justifier by coming into our broken world as a humble babe, living the law perfectly, which we could never do. And then taking our rightfully deserved punishment upon himself, he paid our sins. He paid the price for our sins that was demanded by justice and poured out grace and mercy upon us instead. This is what that fancy word propitiation means, okay? He was our substitute. That's what we're saying here. God appeased his own justice by paying the penalty himself. And therefore, we as believers and followers of Christ, we are now called righteous. Our end of the covenant has been settled in his blood. And then not only did he die in our place for our sins, he rose, thereby defeating death itself and guaranteeing us newness of life in his presence. This is truly joy to the world. No amens. Can I get an amen? Come on, someone. Paul then goes on in Romans 4 to further drive this point home. It's like this one-two punch combo. First, he slams us with these psalms, declaring how completely vile we are. Every one of us. And then one chapter later, hits us with another psalm. It's kind of like almost good cop, bad cop. So in Romans 4, verse 7 through 8, he's actually quoting Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. The ESV version says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, typically here at Redeemer Odessa, we use the ESV translation, uh, the interpretation, but I want to also read to you from the New Living Translation as well. It says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Beloved, this is indeed good tidings of great joy. The years of longing, the years of working under the law and never gaining any traction, the brokenness, the sorrow, the waiting for the Lord to act and redeem his people as he said he would, has now finally happened. And it's starting in a little town called Bethlehem. 
Glory be to God. We are no longer enemies, but the God of creation. We read earlier that there was not a single person on earth that loves the Lord. Not a single person that on their own volition acts and loves the, the Lord with him being the center of the focus. We are all wretched people. And even in our best days, our offerings to the Lord are still filthy rags. But because of the substitution of Christ on the cross, for your behalf and for mine, we are justified by faith and faith alone. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't bargain for it. You can't do anything except accept it. It's a gift. My friends, this goes beyond happiness, okay? I read somewhere once that happiness and hap- is dependent upon happenings and happenstance. For example, I really enjoy guitars. Much to the chagrin of my wife, I, I think about them far more often than I should. Uh, they make me happy to discuss. I nerd out on them. Uh, I love the smell of like a well-cared-for and well-made acoustic guitar. It gives me the warm fuzzies. I have this beautiful guitar that I bought on Facebook Marketplace almost a year ago, like at the start of 2022. It's one that I had wanted in the back of my mind for like years, since like 2003 when I was working at a music shop in college. The size, the shape, the materials, everything. I got a really good deal on it as well. Um, that's neither here nor there. But when I bought it, I was thrilled. At the same time, I have four kids and now a puppy. That guitar could very easily turn into expensive kindling. Okay? I would be bummed. I'd probably cry a little bit, but I would move on. Temporary things can make us happy, but they can't provide us joy counting on the promotion at work, getting that guy's attention, buffering our savings accounts. They're all good things. But can, but can they sustain us when we maybe get that diagnosis? How about when it seems like your family is falling apart around you? You see, joy is untouchable. Why? Because it's set on things above. Joy is set where moths and rust And thieves and cancer and death cannot touch. You have been made righteous and declared holy by the work of Christ on the cross. This God loved you so much that he stepped out of heaven to save you, even when you were his enemy. He stepped into this world and saved you so that you could glorify him. By the work of his Holy Spirit within you, you crying out to him, Abba, Father, To glorify the Lord is acknowledging his proper place in our lives. When he becomes the focus, we get to enjoy things as they really should be. That is where our joy kicks in because when we're able to put things in their proper place, in their proper position, and bow down only to him, we'll be able to find out what joy really means. And then when you get that diagnosis, when you lose that job, When your kid acts a fool and gets in trouble. (laughs) That's what sustains us. 
Everything else, the good and bad, are then seen in the right light. And I know some of you might be going through hard times right now. I hate that. This time of year always gets me. I'm, hmm. I practice this line a couple times. I miss my mom a lot during this time of year. But the cross and the empty grave tells us that we can stand in front of our hurts and say that joy comes in the morning. Christ has brought us peace and we can joyfully look to his return and the hope of a world made right. Like C.S. Lewis says, all these things will be made untrue. Christian, this is your story. Your ending is not in the loss and the hurt and the sin of this world. If you aren't a believer, that same story is available to you. That same God who entered our story as his humble servant took upon himself our sins, died our death, and rose again. That same God who offers true joy in himself is offering that to you as well. Church, let's go in joy and peace and hope into this world that desperately needs these. You have direct access to the God of creation that has called you a son or a daughter. There are people desperately needing to hear that as well. Let's take that with us. Let's share those good tidings of great joy with the world around us that are in in hurt and in need. Let's walk with each other through this. Let's keep preaching the gospel to each other. Let's pray.